For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone and welcome to Jesus Stories. We are at episode number 18. The crowd is huge. There are thousands of people hanging around Jesus, so many that people are stepping all over each other. This is in spite of the condemnations which Jesus has spoken to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. People are hanging on every word. What will Jesus say next? What will Jesus do next? How will the crowds respond? Well, that's in today's Jesus Stories. Stay with us for the answer and the amazing and challenging things Jesus will say. You are listening to Jesus Stories, the podcast which tells the stories of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. I'm George Taylor, your storyteller. If you're new to this podcast, I do encourage you to go all the way back to the beginning and check out the previous episodes. We're telling the stories of Jesus in chronological order, or what can be best determined to be a chronological order? What happens today is best understood if you've listened to the events which have preceded today's Jesus Story episode. If you remember at the close of the last Jesus story, Jesus was at a dinner party thrown by one of the Pharisees. When Jesus didn't wash before eating, the Pharisee was surprised. Jesus, however, began to criticize the Pharisees for their hypocrisy, looking one way on the outside while being full of greed and wickedness on the inside. The teachers, the experts of the law, were given the same condemnations. So these Pharisees and the teachers of the law are now looking for a way to trap Jesus in something he might say. In spite of these strong words, the crowds assembling around the teacher numbers in the thousands. They're stepping on each other, eager to see and hear what Jesus will do or say next. Jesus turns to his disciples. These are the men and women following him most closely. And he says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. Now, this is symbolism which would be very familiar to the crowd. If you've baked bread, you know it too. It takes very little yeast to make bread rise. That little amount of yeast will permeate the entire loaf. In the same way, the disciples of Jesus must be careful of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. A little will permeate the entire assembly. Jesus then warns that everything that has been done in secret will be revealed to everyone. 
The Pharisees are known for holding closed secret meetings to decide judgment on people, and that includes things that are said. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light, Jesus says. Jesus then turns and addresses my friends with a warning. Don't be afraid of those who can kill you, he says. Rather, we should be afraid of the one, Jehovah God, who can kill you and throw you into hell. Someone who can kill you can do no more than that. However, Jehovah God can condemn you eternally, so he is the one to fear. The one who can affect your eternity is the one who deserves your focus. He goes on to illustrate this point in a typically Jewish way. He argues from the opposite perspective, the perspective of Jehovah God. He knows every one of the smallest birds, the sparrows. He counts the very hairs of our heads. If he cares about all these small things, he will care even more for one of his disciples. Then Jesus takes this statement even deeper. He starts by saying, I tell you the truth. That's his way of saying, listen up. Anyone who speaks up for Jesus while here on earth will be acknowledged in the presence of angels by the Son of Man, by Jesus. But if you deny Jesus, you'll be denied before the angels. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, something we've talked about in a previous podcast, if you blaspheme or deny the presence of God on earth, you cannot be forgiven. If you're brought to trial in the synagogues, the worship places of the first century, before the rulers and the authorities, he says, don't worry about what to say or how to defend yourself. The Holy Spirit will give you the words that need to be said at that time. This podcast is presented by NarrationByGeorge.com, a resource for a variety of audiobooks. This episode's book is a satirical murder mystery. Yeah, that makes it unique. This is satire which will have you squirming, laughing, crying. There's not another book quite like it. It's entitled Non-Profit and that's spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T, Nonprofit Murders. It's by Becky Woolley. You can find it by clicking on the link in the show notes or visit narrationbygeorge.com slash books and click on Nonprofit Murders. At this point, someone calls out from the crowd to Jesus, Tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, perhaps this man thought that as a good teacher, his brother would listen to Jesus' advice. Rabbis were often called upon to rule in such matters during this time. Jesus responds, who made me judge in the matter? In other words, this one's not for me to decide. But it does offer the chance for Jesus to teach about greed Beware, he says, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. To illustrate his point, he tells a story, a parable. A rich man, he says, has a farm. It produced an abundant crop. So this guy says to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Aha, 
I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones to store everything. Then I can just sit back and enjoy life since I've stored enough away for all the years to come. Come on now. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry. But Jehovah God has other ideas. He tells the man, you fool. Now, this was an Old Testament identification of the problem for the man. Anyone who is labeled a fool was ignoring Jehovah God. You fool, Jehovah God says. You will die tonight. Now, who will get all your money? Jesus concludes with this point. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. In other words, it's foolish to get rich and ignore Jehovah God. Jesus then turns to his disciples. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Well, this is a lesson we've heard before, haven't we? Remember on the Sermon on the Mount? Don't worry, he says, about having enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Life is far more important than that. The ravens don't plant or harvest. God feeds them. You're more valuable to Jehovah God than they are. Worry over these little things doesn't help your life. Why worry over even the big things? Look at the flowers in the fields. In this example, Jesus uses lilies. They don't make their clothing, but even Solomon, one of the richest men on the earth, wasn't dressed as well as these flowers are. And in the same way, Jehovah God will care for you. Don't worry about the food you're going to eat or what you'll drink. People who don't follow Jehovah God worry about these things. But Jehovah God knows that you need them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Providing the kingdom for you gives Jehovah God great happiness. Then Jesus gets a little radical. Sell your possessions and give to those in need, he says. Now, does he mean this literally? Well, in a way, yeah. While we may have possessions, we need to view them as belonging to God and thus available for the poor, those who may have a greater need than ours. This, he says, stores treasures for us in heaven. And unlike your purse, wallet, or money bag that you carry now, it'll never get old or wear out. Wherever you have treasure, this is where your heart will be. Now, Jesus changes the focus of his teaching. He's going to teach about being ready. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. A wedding feast? Jesus is invoking the custom of the time where weddings occurred in the evening. The groom's servants were to watch and wait with lamps burning for the master to come home with his new bride. But instead of the servants waiting on the groom, the usual scenario, Jesus says that the groom himself, Jesus in this case, the groom will seat the servants and wait on them. The point, he says, is to be ready. The groom could come at any time, in the middle of the night or just before dawn. You have to be ready all the time, just like someone who is protecting his house from a burglary. You never know when that might happen. Peter, he speaks up. Lord, are you speaking just to us or are you talking to everyone? 
Jesus answers Peter's question with a question. The answer starts with a scene of a household owned by a master and run by servants. A faithful and sensible servant, Jesus says, is put in charge of other household servants. He is responsible for managing and feeding them. If he does this well in the eyes of the master of the house, he is rewarded. He will be given even more responsibility. But if that servant takes advantage of his position, thinking that the master won't be back for a while, engaging in partying and getting drunk, or even beating the servants he's in charge of, that servant will be in for a surprise when the master returns unexpectedly. He'll find himself banished. The servant who knows what the master expects but isn't prepared for his return will be severely punished. But the servant who does not know the expectations will only be punished lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. What is all of this about? No wonder Peter is confused. In the midst of this teaching about waiting and preparation, it's easy to be confused. In fact, if I were sitting next to Peter at this time, I think I would be confused too. Remember, Jesus teaches in parables, stories, which for the most part are a little difficult to follow. Now, later on, his disciples will ask him about this method of teaching. He will respond that this is teaching meant for the followers of Jesus, not for those who are not following. This teaching is focused on preparation. Preparation for what? Preparation for the return of Jesus. Well, where is he going? That's going to be the subject of a future podcast. Just put this teaching kind of in the back of your mind. It'll come up again in the future. Jesus continues with some comments about the judgment. Judgment refers to Jehovah God exacting a penalty on people or a person based on their actions. This is a theme which the listeners would be well aware of. Jesus says, I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. The image of the world on fire is an image of judgment. Jesus will have terrible trial to endure, and he calls it a baptism of suffering. It obviously plagues his heart. And it will cause division, father against son, son against father, daughter against her mother, and vice versa, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and vice versa. Jesus turns to the crowd and reminds them that they know how to predict the weather. They can look at the signs in the skies, check the direction of the wind, tell what kind of day they'll have. But he says, you can't look around and see the signs of the times. Just use your common sense, the kind you'd use if, while being taken to court, you decided to settle up with your accuser on the way, knowing that if the case went to the judge, you'd probably go to jail and pay every last penny of the fine. That's the kind of decision I'm asking you to make. Narration by George is the sponsor for this podcast, bringing you a suggested audiobook for your consideration. This episode's book is unique. It's a murder mystery, and it's a satire about churches. And it's funny, 
and it's touching, and we do find out who murdered three preachers. This book is called Nonprofit Murders by Becky Woolley. Like I said, this is a unique book that is snappy, it's quick-paced, and you'll find it by snapping over to narrationbygeorge.com slash books. That's narrationbygeorge.com slash books. Click on the icon for Nonprofit Murders or check the link that you'll find in the show notes. Click on that link. Word comes to Jesus that Pilate, the Roman governor of the nation of Israel, had murdered some people from Galilee as they were making offerings at the temple. This is an incident which is not recorded in history, as far as we know. Since Pilate and the Jewish people were not known for getting along, it could very well have happened. Jesus asked, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? And why ask that question? The Jews associated bad happenings, such as this incident, with sin. God must have been punishing them, they thought. Jesus counters this by saying, No, that is not the case. Then he challenges his listeners to repent, and you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. He then asks about 18 people who died when a tower fell on them. Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, and I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. To reinforce his point, he tells a parable. A man plants a fig tree in his garden. He comes to the tree again and again to harvest fruit, but he finds none. He's disappointed. After three years, he tells his gardener, cut it down. The gardener begs, give it one more chance. Let me take extra care of it for a year and see if it will produce. If there are no figs, then we'll cut it down. So how does that reinforce his point? The gardener represents God in his patience with all of us. He wants us to repent. But he is patient, offering one more chance for repentance to happen. The scene shifts to a Sabbath in the synagogue. Jesus spies a woman who had been crippled for 18 years by an evil spirit. She was unable to stand up straight. Jesus calls her to him and speaks, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touches her. Instantly, she was able to stand up straight, and she praises God for this healing. But the leader of the synagogue didn't see his healing that way. He was indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we've seen this one before. There are six days of the week for working, says the synagogue leader. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. Of course, Jesus has a response. Take a listen. You hypocrites. We're right back where we started, aren't we? Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released, even on the Sabbath? That shames the enemies of Jesus? but the people who are following him rejoiced. Well, that's the time for our Jesus Stories episode for this week. Next time, Jesus will tell us several parables. If you're agriculturally minded, these parables will sound familiar. And if not, 
Well, Jesus also explains the big parable so we can all understand it. So join us in two weeks as Jesus shares more about the kingdom to his disciples and to you and to me. Now, I want to ask a favor of you, my loyal listener. I'd like to hear from you. What do you think of this podcast? What am I doing well? Where am I failing? You can do this by writing to me. I have an email address, narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. That's narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. Or you can complete a survey. There's a little short survey you'll find on the Jesus Stories website. Go to jesusstories.info. Click on the Talk to Us tab. That's jesusstories.info. Click on the Talk to Us tab. Or email me, as I said, at narrationbygeorge at outlook.com. You can also DM me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. On Facebook and Instagram, we're known as Jesus Stories, the podcast. Just do a search for that to find us. And on Twitter, it's Jesus Stories Pod. No podcast is developed or published at no cost. Money is required for hosting, for equipment to record and edit the podcast, This is no different for this podcast. And while we've enjoyed the sponsorship of Narration by George, the parent company for the podcast, that is coming to an end soon. So Jesus Stories is seeking your help, your financial help. On the Jesus Stories website, jesusstories.info, and in the show notes, you'll find a PayPal link which will allow you to support this podcast. Now, this could be a one-time donation that you make, or you might consider a small monthly donation to provide some economic stability to this endeavor. You just pray about this donation, and if you wish, visit the po- visit the website, rather, jesusstories.info, click on Support This Podcast, and make your donation to keep these stories going. We look forward to hearing from you. Email us or DM us. Email narrationbygeorge at outlook.com or send me a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And we'll see you in two weeks. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.